Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is today's message. Today we're looking at just one of our core values. It's number five, and it goes like this. We are better together. Christianity is about doing life together in a, in a community. It's not just about the service. Service is important, but it's about doing life together. Rows are great, but circles are necessary. And if you want to get to a place to where you're following Christ with a passion, you need both rows and you need circles. And I want you to walk out of here never forgetting this truth. We are better together. I want to I welcome you to Vine, a visionary series. And this is lesson three, and you just saw the recap from lesson two, which was all about the fact that we are better together. And today I get to touch a subject. I'm going to just deal with one of our 11 core values today. And this subject has to do with the fact that God's able to do the impossible in our lives. He's able to help us when it looks like there's no way for us to overcome. There's no way for us to be able to get out of the problem that we're in. And here at Believer's Church, we just believe that God is a God that can do anything. And we want that to be part of our very fiber as a church. And if you're new here, you've hooked up with a great church because we really believe that whatever happens in your life, God can invade it and God can rescue you and God can help you wherever it is that you need help. Now, this is 30 years that we've been a church this past August. And over the 30-year period, Jean and I had the privilege of starting believers. I was 24, she was 20, and we had the privilege of walking with people for 30 years. And you know what? There were some folks we haven't been able to help. Uh, and you're always sad when you can't help someone. I had to bury a couple good friends. And, you know, when you have to bury a couple good friends, that really hurts. That breaks your heart. And a lot of times you ask God, why? You know, especially if they were people that, you know, loved God and uh, they, they did what the Bible said. And uh, there were some marriages we tried to help and we weren't able to help them. And people were divorced. And that's sad. You tried your best, but you weren't able to bring restoration in that situation. And it breaks your heart. I walked parents through some really sad times where their kids made wrong choices. And we prayed for their kids and we, we, we did our best to help them make the right choice, but they didn't. And 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I would have tried to give you a reason or a list of reasons why God wasn't able to help those people. And as you age and you get older, you come to con some conclusions. And one of the conclusions you come to is there's some things we just won't know until we arrive in heaven. And I'm okay with that. But here's what I do know. God's made these incredible promises, and every local church needs to be declaring those promises so people can have hope. Here's something else I know. The majority of people we've been able to help, and I'm not sure why we can't help some, but I know the Bible's still true, and I know God wants to do incredible things 
in your lives. And I know that when life throws you a curve, God wants to get in there and God wants to help you. So here's core value number 11. Uh, life is hard. Church should help. And uh, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome. And it reminds me of a story, and this has probably happened to all of us in one way or another. I was a young Christian, probably 21 years old, and I was part of a church, and this is before I went to Bible school, and we were having a church picnic, and we were playing a pickup football game, and it was tackle, and uh, I had gotten the ball, we're on offense, and I'm running around a corner, and I'm thinking, what dance am I going to do when I get in the end zone? Because I'm going I'm to score a touchdown. And I'm really excited. And just as I turned the corner, uh, the, this other guy that was on defense, his name was Eugene Albany. Uh, Eugene came out of nowhere, and he, when I turned, I saw him, and he was just feet away. He hit me so hard that I flew backwards and landed on my backside. And instead of being a star, I was seeing stars. And... Uh, Sometimes life does that to us, and I laid there, and I had so much pain, and I was hurting, and all of a sudden, all that excitement turned to disappointment, and I noticed as I lived life, and as people live life, we get hit and knocked back, and sometimes we don't have the strength to overcome in and of ourselves, and that's what we're talking about when we say life is hard, church should help. God wants to help you God wants to help you in every single area of your life. And this is one of the fibers of our church. This is something I believe in and I've witnessed with these eyes. I've watched God do incredible things. We like to say it this way with this paragraph. Check this paragraph out. Um, it reads like this. It's no secret life is hard and we are constantly being challenged by a world that is dying that's why we are all about creating life-giving environments that mobilize God to do something incredible in your everyday life. Prayer, worship, teaching, and counseling all work together to create an atmosphere charged with expectation. And I love to watch God do things that nobody ever expected that he could do. Nobody expected him to show up, but he showed up. And I love to share this story. I think I shared it once before but it happened up here people come up after service for prayer and a gentleman came up that had fourth stage cancer and he came up for prayer i didn't know it at the time one of our lay people prayed for him i think that's pretty cool it wasn't me or one of our staff it was just a lay person they prayed for him and then he talked to me several months later and he told me the story and and he was teary-eyed as he shared the story and he said, I had four-stage cancer, and I came up for prayer. And he said, my doctors looked at me and said, I did everything, we did everything we can. All we can do now is pain management. We're going to help you survive till the last time, your last breath, with as little pain as possible. And he looks at me and he said, I was going back to my doctors for the pain management and just checkups. And he said, my doctor kept going in and out of the room, and finally he wanted to run some tests, and then he ran some more tests. And he said, finally, my doctor looked at me and he said, your cancer hasn't gone into remission. It's disappeared. And when you hear stories like that, and I hear them all the time over the years, that excites me because life is hard and church should help. And we, we want to be a church where people can come in and the hopeless can have hope. 
And I think of the marriages that we've been able to help and, uh, you know, where affairs took place and you're talking with a couple and, and you know, one of them had an affair and the marriage looks like it's not going to go anywhere. And I think of the couples where God restored their marriage and it's so cool because they're not just living together because they have to. You know, I have to love him or her because they're my mate. They actually like each other and they have an incredible incredible marriage and i could point some folks out and tell you god is a god that comes through when we think nothing else will work and i want you to walk out of here with hope in your heart i also i remember this dear woman she went through a divorce her husband left her for another woman and and sometimes our hearts need healed you know and i think of what happened in her life and i think of how she had an opportunity to be bitter with God, to say, God, why did you allow this to happen? To walk away from God. But she allowed God to help her and heal her. And I think about the process she went through. I think about how God put her life back together. I think about how she's full of peace, full of joy. Um, she's living a life that's whole. God restored relationships in her life. I think of people like that, and I look at you, and I just want to declare very boldly God is a God that can do absolutely anything. And I want you to have hope. So I realize I'm talking to some people that are visiting today or you're really new and this is a great service for you to be at because if Believers becomes your church, we're expecting God to do incredible things, miracles in your life. And I know I'm talking to some of you. You used to believe what I'm saying, but you've been knocked down so many times. Now you're not sure or you're doubting or you're struggling. And I just want to breathe new, breathe new hope into your life. And then there's many of you, you've watched God do things and you're expecting him to do some more things and, and you know that he's the God that can do anything. And so here's a scripture I want to read to you. I love this scripture. It's Matthew uh, nine, uh, 19, verse 26. And it reads like this. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God everything is possible. I like that scripture. Now, I love to read scriptures in their context, and I love to find out what exactly, specifically was he talking about. But Jesus ripped this out of context and made it universal with the last part of the verse. Look at the last part of the verse again. He said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, referring to what they were talking about at the moment. But then he takes it and makes it universal. He says, but with God, the word everything changes everything. Everything is possible. And he just looks at him and he says, guys, if we can bring God into the equation, anything can happen because God is able to do things we cannot do. And I love how he says in the beginning there, the middle, he says, humanly speaking, and how many of us have come to our wits end in so many different areas of our life. And when you do, I want you to look up and I want you to realize there's a God that can do anything. And here at Believer's Church, it's one of our core values. We believe God is able to do anything. And I want to put that in your heart. I want to prepare you to receive. And so I came up with this thing. I just call it four ways to help God help you. Just four ways. Four, four ways you can help God help you. Because I really believe God's waiting. As a matter of fact, when we do the Lord's Supper, 
we know God already did the work. <laughs> so I believe God's waiting. He's waiting to intervene, and there's some things we can do to help him. So the first thing I wanted to, to do is I wanted to help you with people you know that are Christian that you really love. They might be relatives. They might be dear friends, but they're Christians. And I want to talk about praying for Christians. And you really love them, but they are not living for God or they're not living a life that you know they should be living. You know, we talked about our end game, God's end game. This represents God's end game. He wants to turn every Christian into a passionate follower. That just simply means we love Jesus with all of our heart. We want to find out what he said and we want to do it. And that's what a passionate follower is. And you probably know some Christians that they're just not living that way. Maybe they're your kids. Maybe they're your parents. Maybe they're your siblings. I don't know who they are, but I want to give you some hope, man. Uh, you may have talked to them and they might not have listened to a word you said, but with God, that situation can change. And God needs to be released. I, I like to say it this way. Prayer is not a fruitless exercise that God gave us to perform to determine whether or not we're faithful. Prayer is the vehicle that releases God to move in the earth. And it releases God to move in Christians. So in the Bible days, there was this Christian. His name was Epaphras. And he was from the city of Colossae. When Paul wrote the book of Colossians, he wrote it to that, the, the, the church in Colossae. Now Epaphras met Paul. They, they, they felt a connection, and he began to work for Paul. He traveled with Paul. So he was one of Paul's team, so he wasn't in Colossae any longer, but he had a church home there. He had friends there, relatives there. And now he's traveling with Paul, and Paul's writing them a letter, and he wants them to know something really cool that's happening. And it reads like this in Colossians. It reads, uh, verse 12, chapter 4, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. I love this part. He's always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I like verse 13. I assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. These are neighboring cities. He probably has friends and relatives in these cities too. Here's what I want you to see. You ready? He's praying hard for them. Is he wasting his time? No. Does he have some relatives that aren't living for God? I can guarantee you he does. Does he have some relatives trapped in sin and, and doing things they shouldn't, but they're still they're Christians? I guarantee you. A lot of percentage says it's happening. And, and so notice what it says. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ, sends his greetings. He's always in prayer, praying earnestly for you, Asking God to make you strong and perfect. And here's what I like to say when I teach on prayer. If God were going to make Christians strong and perfect anyway, Epaphras is wasting his time if God's going to do it anyway. And you have to understand, our prayers release God to move. And Epaphras knew something. He knew that it's not what you see with these eyes, it's what you release God to do that changes everything. And that's why I want to encourage you. When it's your kids your parents, whoever, somebody you love really a lot, I want to encourage you to become a person of prayer. And let me tell you what we did yesterday. You guys know, I tell you almost every week, uh, I pray with a group of people Saturday mornings. And if you ever want to pray with us, let me know. I'll tell you where we pray and, and, and so on and so forth. But we have this just group of people that love to pray. They're like Epaphras. And um, we prayed a prayer for you guys Everybody that calls this place home, and you know what we prayed? One of the things we prayed was this, 
that God, who's doing a work inside you, that he would absolutely put desires in you to live for him, put desires in you to be pure, put desires in you to follow Jesus with a passion. Because here's what I know. Only God can put those desires in a person. So I'm sharing this to give you hope. Those people you love, don't talk disgusted about them. Don't talk about them. Don't give up on them, man. Pray for them like Epaphras did because then you're helping God help them and you're releasing God to do something incredible. And here's one of the blessings of pastoring a church, guys. I love to watch someone come in not loving Jesus. They're Christian and turning into somebody that loves him with a passion and they just want to follow him with everything they have. That makes me excited and God's doing that in your life God wants to do that in other people's lives how about this one praying for people that aren't Christians this is one way you can release God to help one way you can release God to do incredible things and here's something that encourages me I want you to be as encouraged as I am do you know that if you've accepted Christ God's promised that all your all your family will accept Christ it's a promise in the Bible he said this to the jailer in Philippi and I love what he said he says this he says in Acts 16 31 they replied believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and I'm glad he didn't stop there he said you and your household and I remember when I first accepted Christ my number one concern was I know I'm going to heaven and I love Jesus but my family doesn't, and none of them know Jesus. And I remember just worrying, am I going to go to heaven and not have my family with me? And that's a big deal for us. When we love somebody, we want to spend eternity with them. And I remember as I grew and I read scriptures like this, a smile came on my face. I was like, oh, awesome. And I literally have relatives that have lived well into their 90s, and I don't believe it's their genes. I believe God won't let them die till they accept Jesus because he's made you and I a promise that our household will come to know Christ. And sometimes if I have a relative that dies and I, I wasn't able to talk to him, I'm convinced of one thing. One way or another, God got to him. But how about this, guys, with people we love? They don't always want to listen to us. Jesus had that problem. Jesus went to his hometown and everybody said, ah, he, he doesn't have anything to tell us because he grew up here. He's one of us. And typically with people we know, we're related to, we love, we grew up with, they don't want to hear what we have to say because we're just that person they grew up with. But God can send them somebody that they connect with, that they love, that they respect. And that's another way we can pray. Listen to this cool uh, scripture, Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great. He's referring to souls, if you read the context. But the workers are few. He's referring to people that will share Christ with people. He says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I like this. Do you realize you can ask God in a general way? I do this all the time. I say, Lord, send harvesters out into our, our, our community to share Jesus with people. Raise up harvesters in our church teach our people to share Christ. I pray that way a lot, but I have relatives, and I'll pray for my relatives and my loved ones, and I'll say, Father, send somebody to them that they will respect, that they will listen to, that they'll open their hearts up to. So I want to tell you, I, I could tell you tons of stories, cousins and aunts and relatives of all kinds, grandparents. One of the stories I, I think is so cool, because it was such a strong resistance, is uh, Gina's grandpa. Now, she had two grandpas. One was Grandpa Poro. He was born in Italy. He came here at 18, grew up in Chicago at, at 18. He became the head uh, tailor at Marshall Fields. 
Uh, he ran the whole department, and he made suits for Al Capone. And I remember uh, uh, before he went to heaven, I, I asked Grandpa, I said, what was Al Capone like? And he said, he was the meanest man I ever met. And that's what you'd expect of Al Capone. Well, I had the pleasure of leading him to the Lord. But I want to tell you the story about her other grandpa, Grandpa Mike. Grandpa Mike was aggressively against Jesus. And Gina has an identical twin sister. And her twin sister just really prayed a lot for Grandpa Mike. And she would try to share Jesus with him. She'd write him letters. And he'd become so mad. And he would even tell us, he'd tell Gina and tell me, you tell that sister of yours not to send me any letters about that Jesus. I don't want to hear anything she has to say about Jesus. He was animately, animately against Jesus and against what we love so much. So we prayed. And one of the things we prayed was, Lord, send somebody to him that he will connect with, that he'll respect. Guess what happened? Uh, he spent his winters in Fort Myers, Florida, and had a condo. A new neighbor moved in. And this new neighbor loved to do something Grandpa loved to do. Grandpa Mike loved to go to the flea markets. So the new neighbor liked flea markets, and they start going to the flea market together, buying and selling, and they became like really close friends. This guy was 20 years younger than Grandpa Mike, and they're buddies. And after they get close, this guy said to Grandpa Mike, he said, why don't you come to my church today? I'd, I'd like you to come as a guest. Grandpa Mike told him, yeah. Grandpa Mike went to church, accepted Christ, and it wasn't just that, just a prayer and go on with life as normal. Grandpa Mike had this conversion. He began to read the Bible. Every time we saw him after that for years, we, whenever we saw him in Chicago, he would have a Bible in his hand, reading the Bible. He'd want to talk about scriptures with us. He, he was so excited about what God did in his life. And I share that with you to give you encouragement because God is a God that does the impossible. And I don't care who it is that you love that doesn't know Christ. God's made you a promise. And God says you can pray for people to go into their life. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. Let's talk about this third thing. Uh, you know, one way we can help God help us is we can ask somebody to pray for us. And you know what? We can pray for the sick. And we do that here at Believers. I told you a story. It's just the most incredible thing. And God does incredible things when people are prayed for. And I'm going to read one text to you. I could read 30, but just one will do. And you can check more out on your own. But listen to James 5 and verse 14. It reads like this. Is any one of you sick? He should call for the elders, people that know God. They've been around. They're, they're passionate followers. He says of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And I like this part. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So there's quite a few things I want to say about this. First of all, if you come up for prayer here, we're not using oil. Do you know why we don't use oil here? Because it's messy. So uh, we, we do something else. Do you know there's just as many scriptures that say you can just lay hands on people and pray for them? So here's where the power is. Look at the power, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So oil is just simply a symbol. And in the Bible, they pray with it. They pray without it. But here's what's powerful. You pray and you really expect God to do something. That's the prayer of faith. And here's the part we play. We come up and we say, I need prayer. We call the elders and say, hey, pray for me. And we're a church that believes God does the miraculous. And you know what? I studied the ministry of Jesus out. And I looked at all the healings Jesus did. I took every healing in the Bible that he did and, and I categorized them. And 60% of the time, people were healed with this thing called faith. 
40% of the time they were healed by these things called the gifts of the Spirit. And those are in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And there's gifts of healings and workings of miracles. And the Bible says God distributes them as he sees fit. It's up to him. But they, they flow. And here in Believers, they're flowing. And it's cool. And, and a lot of times when I pray for people, I have give a gift of healing that sometimes will work through me. It's amazing. And it really works a high percentage of the time for people with heart problems. And I have had more people I prayed for with heart problems that have had 100% healing. It doesn't happen every time. I can't control it. But it, it's, it's not just a prayer of faith. It's, it's a gift of the Spirit. And here's what happens when I pray like that. I don't feel a thing, and they don't feel a thing. It's, <laughs> it's like they walk away. I didn't feel anything. They didn't feel no, no, no tingles, nothing. And, and, and yet they come back, and they say, I went back to my doctor. And, and I've had this story over and over. They did a heart calf. And they said, my valve's like new. We don't have to put a new valve in there. And that's a gift of the Spirit. So here at Believers, we're praying like this. We're just expecting God to, to do healing. And we're also expecting those gifts to show up as God wills. And we're just expecting miracles to happen in people's lives. So guess what? If you're here today and you're dealing with something in your body, I want to encourage you when I close the service down, come up for prayer. There are people here that really know how to pray. And, and I'm expecting God to do some incredible things for you. I, I, I'm thinking of different people I prayed for over the years, and I, I've had this over and over too. This is really cool. I've had people tell me that they have had chronic back pain from an injury, uh, or they don't know where it came from. We're talking decades. And then they, you know, they come up for prayer, and they walk away, and a lot of times nothing happens at prayer, but they wake up the next day, and, and I love people to look at me and they say, I haven't had pain for six months. I haven't had pain for three years. I used to take all these pain pills. The pain's gone. And that's what I'm talking about, a God that can do anything. Jesus said, we come to our wit's end, but with God, everything's possible. Let me ask you a question. Are you excited that with God, everything's possible? I, I just want to get you filled up, man. It's awesome. Now, can I close with number four? Number four is awesome because... I think nothing hurts more than a broken heart. That, that's probably the biggest pain any of us can have. And, and I just call it comfort. Uh, God promises uh, to give us this thing called comfort. And I, I just love watching God comfort people. Um, life throws us some really hard things. Sometimes it's a relationship breakup. Um, sometimes it's somebody we love dying prematurely. You know, when someone dies in their time, it still hurts, but man, when someone dies when they're young, that leaves gaping holes. And God has this ability, this desire to heal broken hearts. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And we really believe that when life throws somebody something so hard to where their heart's ripped out and broken, God's a God that brings comfort. And I've watched him comfort people over and over. Here's my favorite scripture on that subject, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. And it reads like this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. So there's comfort in God. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So the source is God. I love the promise, he comforts us in all our troubles. Think about that. You're sitting here today and your heart's ripped out, it's broken, you're hurting. It's not physical, it's inside, it's emotional. 
And isn't it cool to think God loves us enough to want to even help us in that area of our life? Here we are brokenhearted, and he says, I want to come in. And the word comfort means he brings a healing balm. He brings a peace. He brings healing in that particular area of your life. And if you have some of those things where you need some comfort, these people up here know how to pray for God to comfort you too. But guys, did you catch the latter part of this section of Scripture? After we're comfort, God said, comforted by God, we have something to say to other people. And I love being able to look people in the eyes and say, you know what? I was there. I felt that pain. And guess what God did in my heart? I'm happy. I'm not bitter. I'm full of love and joy. God heals the brokenhearted. I lost a brother, one of the guys in that picture, and I remember the pain that it caused, but God is a God of comfort, and God comforts us, and God gives us that peace that we think we'll never have again. So life is hard. We believe church should help, and we're a church that wants to get you everything God has to give you, and we're a church that in our very fibers, we're expecting God to do the impossible. You know, you guys just rejoice with me. Can we rejoice one more time and just thank God for what he do does and what he's able to do? We're so thankful, Lord God. Hey, let, let's close our eyes and let's look up to heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every incredible person in this room. Some need their hearts healed. I, I just pray right now for you to bring comfort to them and Lord, some need healing, and I thank you as they come forward today for prayer. You're going to show up, and you're going to heal. Some have hopeless situations with finances, with people. Lord, I thank you for giving them hope today. And Lord, we all take a moment, and we thank you that you're the God of the impossible. And Lord, we thank you for a church where impossible things happen. We thank you for a church where when prayer is, is brought forth, that you do the impossible in people's lives. And Lord, we're looking to you as our source. We thank you for doing incredible things in every single one of our lives. And you can agree with that. And could we bow our heads, close our eyes just for a moment? I want to just keep praying and you, you stay connected with God with the prayer I just prayed. If you're here and you're not sure of your eternity, the Bible makes it so clear it lets us know we can't work our way to heaven. We can never do enough good to overcome our sin-stained souls. So we need help, and that's why God sent Jesus. Jesus was God's son. He came to die for us. He, he came inside a human body so he could experience all the pains we do, but he never sinned. He never messed up, and then he did what he came to do. He died on a cross. He gave his life so we can live. They buried him. He was, his body was dead. He spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. But then God raised his body up, and Jesus came back to life. And, and I'll tell you what, man, that body came to life. And Jesus has made this declaration, guys. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way to God is through me. He said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. So at this time in our service, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I always want to give people a chance. You know, we grew up in America, so most of us have gone to church. A lot of us are already Christian by name, and that's all good stuff. Uh, but I'm not asking you, are a member of church, have you been water baptized as a baby or an adult? Those are good things, but here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life where you prayed from your heart and you said, Jesus, I give you my life. I make you Lord of my life. 
Jesus said we have to call on him. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, I'm ready to do that. Would you pray with me? Everyone else in the building, would you help them? Just simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe what the Bible declares about you. I receive you as my Savior. And this day, I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believers Church, visit believers.cc.